All right. Uh, here's today's podcast. It's Friday. A lot of great stuff on it. Have yourself a great weekend. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So you were, if I'm not mistaken, Stu, um, you were a big deal in your school when you were... What, in high school, I mean, right? it's, it's the, the biggest accomplishment of my life. Yeah, it was definitely sure. before high school, I will say. <laughs> but it was, uh, I was the first kid in my high school or school, middle school, whatever it was, to beat Mike Tyson's Punch-Out uh, back in the day on Nintendo. Mm. And when you beat Mike Tyson, it was like, I, I, I remember kids coming up to me I didn't even know. Like, congratulating me. That is so It's funny. the only real accomplishment I've had in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and it got all and downhill it really, from there. It really dwarfs everything else you've done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite true. So, you know, but like, I, I don't know. I mean, we, this kid is like is incredible. We watched the video before the show started, yeah. but it's like now I can't even imagine that's a big deal because five seconds after the game comes out, there's somebody online beating it. Like, I mean, Tetris came out when in the eighties, nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty four. I think for Nintendo. no one mm-hmm. has ever completed the game. That's amazing. It's incredible. So it's on YouTube. This kid, he's from uh, he's from Oklahoma. Uh, he's he's just playing Tetris, and he's he's got it on YouTube. Forty one minutes of him just playing Tetris, and uh, then you know how it gets faster and faster and faster and faster to where you know it always you know just builds up, and you're like, okay, I'm doomed. Impossibly, Impossibly fast, and everyone fast. loses. Right. right? He hits. All of those. Do we have the clip? Listen to this. Here is his plane. Oh, oh, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! That's amazing. He is. And he's not performing for the camera. No. It's like he completely forgot that the camera's on it. At one point, he says, I can't feel my hands. <laughs> it's just so cool. Just so cool. Uh, did you see the Tetris movie? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Which is a great... You want to talk about a movie uh, that's great... To tell you a great story about capitalism. Oh, yeah. As opposed to socialism. Oh, yeah. And communism. So the, the idea of the movie is that Tetris was actually... Come, the, somebody that came up with it was a Soviet citizen. Well, you can't do things like that in the Soviet Union, you know? So I don't remember the state owned it, right? Yeah, the state owned everything. Yeah, the right? state owned it. If you achieve something in the Soviet Union, the state owns right. it. And so somebody found out that that game uh, was still available, not in the arcade, but for like playstations or what was the yeah, first consoles yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the gaming consoles and so this guy had this idea i'm going to go over to russia and i'm just going to buy the rights well there's no such thing as rights over in russia so the whole movie is about him trying to negotiate and get the rights and then a, a nefarious character steps in and this Robert guy, who is, he was a member of parliament, he owns all the newspapers, he's a billionaire, everybody loves him, 
Uh, he's uh, he's the guy, the real life guy, you know, uh, tried to buy uh, Manchester United. Everybody knows him. He's a war hero. But in the movie, he's a big fat cigar smoking oaf uh, that is just a dirty, dirty guy. Well, he sends his son to go to the Soviet Union and get Tetris. Do whatever you have to do, but you get those rights. Okay, so the battle in the movie is between these two guys, just a, an American who's just out on his own, has no money, battling not only the Soviet Union, but this billionaire uh, in uh, London. If you haven't watched the movie, it's well worth it. Well worth it. So I told you when we started that I would show you how everything today is connected to Jeffrey Epstein. The guy who is the Robert character in that movie is Robert Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell's dad. Okay. Right. So, uh, and he, that story in and of itself is insane. Oh, it, do you know his story? I mean, she was, if I remember correctly, she was very wealthy. He was very wealthy. And the whole thing blew up at one point. So he's, and it shows the beginning of that in the Tetris movie. So he's, first of all, he is living in Czechoslovakia during World War II. All of his family is rounded up by the Nazis in Czechoslovakia, and they're all gassed. He survives because he had escaped to France. He gets to France. He's, he's fighting in the underground with the French. And then uh, the Nazis take over France, so he has to go over to England. So he goes over to England. He begins to organize a resistance in England with the English. And he goes back. He lands on the beaches of Normandy. He's an incredible war hero. He, he storms the beach, and he's the guy who climbed the cliff and went into the machine gun nest and killed them all. Okay, in, in where he was. Um, so he wins, you know, all kinds of awards and everything else. He becomes a British citizen um, and uh, and he just goes into business and he's a news. He becomes a newspaper publisher. He owns the Daily Mirror. Uh, he owns uh, what else? The Daily. He ends up owning the New York Post here in America. And uh, is just gobbling up everything. Very powerful. He's Rupert Murdoch today. Okay. The Tetris thing happens. And you remember in the movie how much his uh, father was, you got, you have to get Tetris. You have to get Tetris. And then what happens when he loses? His son comes back and says, he comes back and says, wait, I'm hearing rumors that you've taken from the pension fund, dad. What happened was his whole empire was crumbling. Now, he was bulletproof. He was a member of parliament. He was Teflon. Nothing ever stuck to this guy. The foreign office in uh, England said he's a Mossad spy. However, he's not just a spy for Israel. We think he's a spy for Russia, too. We think he's a, a uh, what do you call it, a 
the three-way spy. Um, he's turned mm. twice mm. Uh, and uh, is making money and providing information for Russia and Israel. But nobody could ever make any of that stick. He then uh, has his company start to fall on hold, uh, hard times, and he starts stealing from the pension fund for the employees. And he's like, well, we'll just make it back. Well, he's caught because everything begins to collapse. He's now going to prison. And guess what happens to him? He commits suicide. Or does he? It's still to this day murky, just like Jeffrey Epstein. Did he really kill himself? Did somebody have him killed, or did he? Did he? Uh, uh, was he? You know, was he pushed? He died on his yacht. Uh, he was, you know, big into yachting, but he fell off of his off of his yacht and drowned. Uh huh. Uh huh. So that's who Ghislaine Maxwell's dad is. So when you're hearing today the story of Jeffrey Epstein, and it's, I don't. I don't know why this feels like a new story to so many people. Um, but when you're hearing the story now that, you know, Epstein might have been a spy for the for Mossad. Absolutely. He's a spy for somebody. He was absolutely a honeypot guy for some country, maybe multiple countries and probably this country. Uh, I mean, he is. This is the kind of stuff we did in World War II, except we did it with women. But that, I guess, is not shameful anymore. So you got to do it with little kids. God help us on what comes next. Um, but uh, if you look at now what is being what is coming out, we've we've suspected we don't have proof, but we suspect that he was part of an intelligence agency and he was blackmailing elites. Uh, and he would uh, get them on tape and then get them to do whatever his bosses needed them to do. Now, at some point, it's interesting because he got a get-out-of-jail-free card. He had a uh, do-not-prosecute agreement with the government that... He knew about going into jail. Do not prosecute. It was only a matter of time before his attorneys. He had bail hearing two days after his suicide. And um, his attorneys were going to present the do not prosecute. It was only a matter of time before that happened. So why would he kill himself? If he knew the United States government couldn't do anything to him, why, why would they go after him? I mean, why, I, would, I, he, I, why I, would he take paper he, sheets? He did have a do not prosecute uh, issue, but that was, I mean, I don't think that was going to hold up at the end why? of all this. this but stuff why? Can, well, because why? the, I, I mean... He, First of all, I don't know how it's even possible for that thing to exist. It was bizarre. Mm -hmm. It was like, mm -hmm. hey, some local, mm -hmm. uh, you know, area is going to say, 
that you, no other authority, including the federal government, can prosecute him for any crime. Like it was like it's such a bizarre arrangement in the first place, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why people are so suspicious of the whole situation. Um, but I don't think it would have held up. I don't think he would have been able to say, "Okay, well, you have to let me go." They wouldn't have. They, they all knew about this when they arrested him on the tarmac. So I have to tell you, um, they did know about it. I don't think it would have held up because scrutiny. And because people were so aware of everything that was going on and uh, it started to come out that, I mean, the first time that Jeffrey Epstein was prosecuted, do you even remember that? Not really. Yeah, not really. It was more of a Florida thing. And Mm -hmm. I remember kind of, but not really. We talked about it a little bit at the time, but it wasn't a huge story. Correct. Now everybody knew who he was. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, I want to give you the headline of this story, but first let me give you the story. All evidence thus far suggests that Butler acted alone. Police have confirmed that one deceased victim of Dylan Butler's shooting rampage at Perry High School was a sixth grade student and that an improvised explosive device was found on site. Police say the sixth grade student was at the high school because he was participating in a breakfast program prior to the start of the school day that is located at the high school. 17-year-old student killed one, injuring five early Thursday morning before turning the gun on himself. None of the victim's names have been publicly released. Police say there was no indication the shooting had anything to do with race. During a press conference, police confirmed Butler had murdered a sixth-grade student. Four of those injured were students, while a fifth was a school administrator. The surviving victims are currently being treated in area hospitals. The shooter has been identified as 17-year-old Dylan Butler, police said, noting that he was a student at Perry High School. Butler was found to have been carrying a pump-action shotgun and a small-caliber handgun at the time. He also made a number of social media posts in and around the time of the shooting. All evidence thus far shows that he acted alone. Officers located uh, during the search of the school an improvised explosive device, according to police, and they have rendered the device safe. Okay, you got a lot of information there, right? Yeah, for sure. Lots of information. Now let me give you the headline. Breaking. Iowa police confirm sixth grade student killed by gender fluid Dylan Butler during Perry High School shooting, IED found on the site. Now, why is gender fluid in the headline, but not in the story? I don't know. What's that? What is the publication that is giving the us this? publication Post Millennial? Okay, yeah, but the post millennial certainly would be one to shy away from giving that detail. Obviously, putting it in the headline tells you that, but because I haven't heard, I listened to multiple stories about that, and they did not mention the gender fluid thing at all. Right, wasn't at all part of the story. Correct. Only conservative outlets, but are. it is not part of this story either. I don't, I don't know. That's, I mean, from another publication, I would read more into that. I mean, post the post millennial is not. Uh, the type of uh, publication that I think would shy away from. No, I don't think they would shy away from it either. Yeah. But why isn't that in the story? Hmm. I I can't uh, answer that. I don't know. I I mean, I find that, I find that fascinating. I I understand why others would shy away. Right. Yes. And Um, they are, by the way. Yeah. And they are. It was Um, all about gun. I I listened to a whole report on it. It was all about gun violence. 
Well, it's about two things, Glenn. It was about gun violence and the gun violence problem, number one. Hatred. And number two, what do the Republican candidates in Iowa think about it? What are they going to do about it? Why won't they commit to doing something? It's like, well, <laughs> there's so many problems with that type of coverage, but it's, it's amazing that they just keep doing it. Like, they just keep rolling out the same reports for these stories over and over and over again. And, like, if there's anything... Look, we have. There's violence in every country. There's a million things that we've gone over before that we don't need to rehash here. But, like, if there's anything new in this type of story, it is. it does seem to be that these types of incidents are happening more and more with people who have these sort of identifications yes. for themselves. And that is a... Because they're confused as it is. Yeah. And then they're being told, oh, just go with it, and it's not helping them. I mean, it's, it's, this is so, our problems are so easy to fix. You could go into any coffee shop in America, and you could grab, you know, just the five people who are paying attention out of everybody. Mm -hmm. Are there five people here who can name the president and the three branches of government? Can you come on over to my table? We would be able to fix this. If we were put in charge, you'd be able to fix this. A lot of this stuff is so common sense. That's interesting. Because I think if applied, if applied, common sense would solve a lot of these problems. Yes. But like, in, it, it, think about that in the real world, in this world that we live in right no, now. You, you can't. How? I mean, even if you convinced the medical establishment, which I think is a real goal here, and, and I think it is uh, something that is potentially potentially achievable the medical establishment look what you guys have done over the past 15 years with all this gender stuff and and all this is bad we're seeing it happen in foreign countries right yeah. they're reversing the path france it's sweden yeah the uk we're, we're seeing progress in that mm -hmm. in that in that world to get back to some sort of rational view here but even if you were to accomplish that there are so many people with so many goals that are at odds with that approach, that they wouldn't... You, I mean, you think the mainstream media is going to abandon this because the, the medical establishment changes? I doubt it. You think think about all the sites and bloggers and, and influencers and all the people that people actually get their news from that would continue down this road anyway and would still, would still create people like the person who seems to be in this case today, what we know of them. Uh, but those and, people and many other existed examples. before. Yeah. They just didn't have positions of power. So the first thing that has to be done is you fire a lot of people. I'm sorry. You know, here's, here's the problem. Common sense. Common sense should always rule with rare exception. You know, there are times you're like, okay, I know that makes sense. However, this time... Cut the white wire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You know? Right. Uh, no, it should be the green wire. No, no, no. I know. Usually red and green. But this time, don't cut the green wire. Um, but the problem is everything is so over uh, Ivy leagued that the average person goes, well, I, I don't know the answer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they'll be like, oh, well, you have your. Right. You're like, what? Well, we saw this with the Claudine Gay situation this week, yes. right? Like, like everybody knows when you steal every other people's work, 
you should you're going to get fired as Correct. an academic and yet every institution went to bat for this woman to explain why what she how what she did was not actually bad and it was actually racism and you guys don't understand the the systemic racism that pushed her to have to do this and right. why we should ignore. And it's like, and everyone says like, all right, I just don't even want to get involved in that. So there's no, you know, the deal is, and, and they'll, and most people will back away from it because they'll feel stupid. They'll be like, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, who am I to argue against? Right. A lot of know, people will Harvard. Do they'll do it. Fewer and fewer though. I, th- I think that, I do oh, think yeah. that's, that's going Because away. we used to have, you know, there's, there's balance in all things. Balance in all things. There's supposed to be push and pull. If if you don't have that, there is no growth. So what happened is we had common sense, and then common sense was looked down upon from the Ivy League. Isn't that cute? Isn't that common sense? Well, I have uncommon knowledge. And... Everybody was like, well, he must know something that I don't know. No, really, really, the only thing that uh, you may know that he doesn't know is humility. And the one thing that he may know that you don't know is <laughs> arrogance. You know, I, I, I know, me and my people, you know, you need to be taken care of. Are you, are you concerned that the balance is not something we're finding right now like no because i think it's coming it's is it coming I think or we're, is it is it closer to what something you've talked about for a long time of more of a pendulum effect because i do i am worried that it does seem at times that we're getting to a place where we're completely ignoring experts i mean i don't think that's the answer either right no it's not <laughs> it's not like it's hey, not people but have been until this the experts Right. are held by other experts, you know, until yeah. the medical community says, you know what, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. This COVID thing, it was good here, here, and here. It was really bad here, here, and here. Sure. And we got to stop, you know, just saying that, oh, no, now science knows. Because that's happened throughout all of mankind. And then science learns. And they're like, oh, well, now we know. Soon as it's cleaned out by its own people, mm. you know, God will clean out his own house first. That's in Isaiah. I will clean out mine own house first. And he will. And that's what needs to happen in all of the institutions, in media. It's got to be cleaned up. Now, it's going to probably take outsiders to do it or a new generation, but it, look, it's already happening. It's already happening. It's just that there's so much money involved at the establishment level and they're just holding on by their fingernails and they'll I mean, they'll pull all of us down to stop from drowning themselves. Do you think are you optimistic about the path here? Are you optimistic that the pushback that has come from, I think, common sense, I would argue, you know, that usually equals a lot of conservative type values. But like there has been a pushback in the media. There has been a pushback in, you know, when it comes to our institutions from more constitutional common sense type thinking will that result in something that is positive at the end is are you comfortable we are with the path? at the wire we are coming around the fourth turn and we're all we're all dead even as we're coming towards the wire who's going to win and it will be won by a nose mm. 
Um, and I think it's going to happen this year. But what is encouraging is we're seeing things that we haven't seen before. I think we are at peak wokeness. Um, you know, I've been talking about that pendulum theory that Stu has been saying. I've been saying for a while, 2020, what did I say? 2024, 2025 is where we hit the peak and then it starts going the opposite way. I've said that for forever. Um, now, this means it's going to take just as long as it did to get here. Um, but we will, <laughs> the dog returns to its vomit. We will go back to being a very selfish, me, 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 you know, forget the collective culture. It's going to take us 40 years, but we will get right back to where we were. The key is don't destroy yourself at any of the peaks because it's the middle where we really flourish. It's the balance of no, the individual is important but so is the collective. We have to balance that. Right now, we're just not balancing. The individual doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't matter. But I see this coming back from really important people. I think Elon Musk has been a turning point uh, in that. I mean, you look at what uh, Bill Ackman said this week or Mark Cuban. What a difference what a difference. I mean, the Mark Cuban thing was, we should go through that. that oh, was no, bizarre. it's No. I don't even know. I don't even seem like he doesn't he, even he know doesn't, what the words mean. He doesn't. He doesn't. It's weird. Again, it is the arrogance of people thinking they know. That's what Bill Ackman said. He said, I went to talk to the students and I realized that what I thought they were saying is not what they're saying. I didn't understand it. Mark Cuban just hasn't gone through that, but he will because it's it's happening. It is happening. But <laughs> keep running flat out because it's going to be won by a nose. You're listening to the best of Glenn Beck. Need a little more? Check out the full show podcast. We have to say a very humble hello to Cleta Mitchell. She's an election attorney. She is a conservative partnership institute senior legal fellow. And with somebody who was, I, I caused a lot of angst before the holidays. Cleta, how are you? I'm fine, Glenn. <laughs> Good. I'm fine. But let, but let me correct one thing that, uh, to be sure, what I, what I am going to talk about, this is not something the Republican Party is doing. So yes. you were right about that. This correct. is something grassroots patriots and people, volunteers are doing. It's not the party. Right. And and that was my point. But then, you know, when, when you reached out to me, I felt bad because there's a lot of people that are really sacrificing a lot of time and you're making great progress on, yes. on a few things. And I want to talk to you about them. Okay, so, great. So, so tell me overall what's happening where are we really hitting where have we gained ground on just cleaning up the rolls and making sure that it's going to be a tight election well look i mean one thing let me just set the stage for you just a, a bit um the left has been about the business of wrecking our election system for 30 years and in particular uh the national voter registration act was bill clinton's very first uh piece of legislation when he was elected president. And it was the first piece passed back in 1993, the National Voter Registration Act, Motor Voter. 
we all remember now we have to when you register when you go get a driver's license you register they register you to vote that has created all kinds of havoc on the voter rolls and the other part of that federal law is it puts shackles on uh, local jurisdictions election offices as well as the states in terms of allowing them to remove people who've moved away, et cetera, et cetera. Blackout periods and all kinds of waiting periods and a cumbersome process. So let's start with the fact that the Democrats and, of course, Republicans have in Congress basically been asleep at the wheel on these issues for many decades. Fast forward to 2020. The day after that election, citizens all over this country woke up and said, wait a minute, what has happened to our election system? And so that's when I joined the National, uh, the Conservative Partnership Institute as a senior legal fellow focused solely on building, trying to build a permanent infrastructure of citizens, volunteers across the country to be come involved in their local election offices, same way parents have realized they've got to be involved in their school boards and know what's going on. So we started a year ago. Um, so I wrote a guidebook. It's called uh, the uh, Citizen's Guide to Building an Election Integrity Infrastructure. And people can go to our website and download it. It's free. It's www.whoscounting.us, and we have videos, training videos, how people can get involved. One of the tracks is cleaning voter rolls, and we started a year ago a national working group on cleaning voter rolls, and we have literally, there are hundreds, actually thousands of citizens across the country working in their local election offices, identifying duplicates, dead people, people who have moved. And I mean, it's to me, it's pretty remarkable what they are doing. And we also have been working to try to get Congress to change the federal law to get the federal government out of the um, business of dictating to states, telling them when they can and cannot clean their voter rolls. So that's a little bit of the background. So so wait, 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 wait. Tell me. Uh, this is going on in how many states and districts? Because I uh, this uh, this what I fear uh, is that we are cleaning things up, and this is really good in states like Texas, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Florida. But the problem states like Georgia or uh, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, maybe there's not anything being done there. Is that well, accurate or no- not? Well, no, it's not accurate. Good. We're trying. It, we're trying hard. And in fact, Georgia, let me just talk about Georgia for a moment, because that's one of the, the places where the most work is going on. Mm. And of course, where we're having to fight with Mark Elias, who's threatened all of the county election offices in Georgia with litigation if they, uh, if they listen to these citizen challenges. But let me just give you a couple of updates about Georgia. We have uh, one thing that's really amazing is uh, a retired physician, Dr. Rick Richards, has created a software that he is making available to volunteers all over the country that will allow them to run their voter rolls against other databases for free. He's making it available for free to them. And so they can run it against the the national change of address, who's moved. They can run it to determine who are duplicates. Mm. Um, And so, and he's actually gotten this software adopted by a county 
in Georgia that said, well, this is what we need because our job under the law is to clean the voter rolls. Of course, let me just pause just a moment. When that happened, the left has come after him, after me, because I introduced him to the National Working Group on Voter Rolls that the uh, Election Integrity Network uh, hosts. And they've done uh, CBS, ABC. They've all done hit pieces, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, um, saying that this is terrible. We're trying to suppress the vote by cleaning the voter rolls. Just so you know, hey, we always have to deal with that. And um, but we're undeterred. You know, I'm used to that. He he's used to that. And so nonetheless, we're moving forward. There's a gentleman in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, who has personally uh, been through the voter rolls and has filed over uh, 11,000 challenges to duplicates and bad registrations in Fulton County. And these counties in Georgia are required by state law to hear citizen challenges and act upon those within 30 days. And they've been threatened. The counties have been threatened by Mark Elias, literally, who sent a, law, a letter threatening them um, to all the counties. But there was just a decision earlier this week in which um, that challenge, the, the statute that... Um, under state law that allows citizens to come in and challenge a bad registration uh, was upheld by a, a court. So I think that that's going to open the way to move forward with these challenges. But we have in some states, so Fulton County has stopped hearing challenges. That doesn't mean the people are not out there identifying mm-hmm. uh, the problems, we're probably now just going to have to start filing our own lawsuits to force them to actually follow state law. In other states, like take a blue state like New Mexico. I know we don't think of that as a swing state any longer, but those volunteers have been able, under the most difficult circumstances, to get over 30,000 bad registrations removed from the voter rolls there. Cleed up, um, is, there yeah. is there any way you can guess or know if any of those had been used fraudulently in the past? Well, it, we do know, yes, we do know in the, in the states where the cast vote records are public records, we can see, we do know that there are registrants who we now see are deceased who've cast ballots. But, you know, one of the things that is problematic is getting these election officials anywhere to uh, be willing there it's hard to describe the intimidation that has gone on by the left and the infiltration by the left in the election system of our country i mean the capital research center estimates that leftist billionaires have invested found including big left-wing foundations have invested between 11 and 14 billion dollars in the last decade building this gigantic leftist uh, infrastructure into every aspect of our, our voting and our election process. So it's very difficult to get these election officials to, to willingly want to turn somebody over for prosecution. So what we focused on with the voter rolls is in really training people to make, to sit down and, and make friends in advance if they possibly can, with a local election official to say, we're not here to attack you. We're not here to uh, berate you. We have, a, we have volunteers who are willing to help you 
do your job because they always say they're overworked, et cetera. And, um, and so by doing that, we have seen these situations in county after county. New Jersey, there's a group of volunteers. They, in one county, they were able to remove you know, over 7,000 bad registrations mm-hmm. this past year. And so it, people say, well, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference because when you have bad dirt, you had dirty voter rolls, you have people registered multiple times. What the left has been intent upon doing is getting legislatures and election officials, sometimes without legislative authority, as happened in uh, Georgia in 2020, to send a, a ballot, either an absentee ballot or an absentee ballot application to everybody on the voter rolls. Well, if you've got somebody registered seven times, they're going to get seven ballots. Mm. And that's a big issue that we're fighting right now in Nevada and Clark County. And that group of people out there have made friends and built relationships and credibility with the election office. And they are literally going through the roles and providing evidence. And when the, they provide the evidence that is, can be confirmed by the registrar, they are moving those people from active to inactive. May not sound like a big deal, they don't get an automatic ballot. In Nevada, they get an automatic, everybody on the active list gets an That's automatic crazy. ballot. That's crazy. So we've got all these volunteers who are working against the clock to move as many of those bad registrations off the active list so they don't get live ballots, so we don't have these live ballots floating around okay. everywhere in uh, Clark County. Na, 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 na. 